thank you. It was uh, interesting to see Alex there struggling with his hearing aid. Um, um, I don't know whether you know, churches have a thing called a loop, uh, like theatres. It's, it's, a, it's a, a wire that goes around the whole thing. And then if you have a hearing aid, you can tune into the service. Well, a church I knew in Essex um, put a loop in, but they made it too powerful. And they suddenly realised that anyone with a hearing aid in two or three streets around the church could hear the service. And I just thought, that's a great form of evangelism. This is God. Come to church. Wouldn't that have been great? This is what we've got to do. Stealthy evangelism. <laughs> well, it's, it's my privilege this morning to continue our captivated series, uh, Jesus Through the Eyes of John. Um, I've really been enjoying the, the, the series. I loved what Sarah said the other day about John's gospel in that it's shallow enough for a child to paddle in, but it's deep enough for an elephant to swim in. And um, we'll come back to the title, but I came across this. Isn't that incredible? That's, that's, that's genuine. That's an elephant. And they love to swim. Who knew? And sadly, this doesn't work. On my one, when I do it on mine, this little guy came flying out, knocked his parent out the way and just jumped into the paddling pool. And I never knew elephants love to swim so much. But this is John's gospel. It is shallow enough for a child to understand, but deep enough for an elephant to have a good swim in. And this morning, let's go back a couple there. I've called this morning to infinity and beyond. And the irony there is deliberate. If you've seen uh, the Buzz Lightyear films, you'll know what I'm talking about. But I've called it that because this morning we're going to be looking at the endless and the inexhaustible grace of God. A grace that is to infinity, and if it could be, beyond. So we'll read these scriptures, just four verses. And uh, this is from the first chapter of John, verses 15 to 18. John bore witness about him and cried, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So I want to look first at the who. What we've got here, we're at the end of John's prologue or his introduction on who Jesus was. And in the coming weeks, we're going to be looking and moving on to John the Baptist's testimony about Jesus. Now, you won't be surprised if you know my history to know that I naturally warm towards John the Baptist. Although he's not a Baptist, he's the Baptist, the baptizer. And we know that because if he was a real Baptist, he would have had to have a church meeting to work out exactly what he was going to cry out. And there's no mention of that. So he's not a Baptist, he's the baptizer. He's introduced back in verse 6 of this first chapter. 
And um, he's introduced as the one who fulfills the prophecy in Isaiah 40, the voice of one calling out in a desert. And he calls out, make way, make the way straight for the Lord. Well, here John is, you're making me nervous, Sim, what are you doing? (laughs) Is it just that? Sorry about that. I've, these are my reading glasses. Beyond six feet, everything's a blur. All I could see was someone by the side of me going like this. <laughs> I might not be the best preacher, but I'm not that bad, surely. <laughs> Goodness me. Okay, right. Sim's not going to shoot me. We'll continue. So John is the one calling out, literally, make the way straight for the Lord. And that's what we see him doing here. He's saying, the one who comes now... Although he's come after me, he's actually before me. And he's linking back to what John, the gospel writer, said, that this is the Jesus who in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God. And the Word is God. See, this Jesus has been around from the very beginning, infinity and beyond. Therefore, John the Baptist said, he ranks way above me. Firstly, he ranks above me because he's older than me. Now, we understand that, don't we? There is that thing about here in in British culture, those who are older than you, we should pay them respect. And I thought about putting a funny line in here about who's older than me in the church. And then I thought, no, don't do that. Don't go there. But John says he's... He's superior to me because he's actually not just older than me. He's been around from the beginning because he is God. And, but he's saying also, yeah, this, although he's a man, he is God. And therefore, even though he, uh, he came after me, before I came to be, he was. So that's the who. Let's move to the what. This is the meat of the sandwich. I heard an incredible thing the other day and I'm no scientist and I'm still trying to get my head around this and I ran it, don't worry about that, um, ran it past Trish in the office and I, I, I ran this past her and she couldn't get her head around it either. But I'm going to run it past you. So here it is. There is a finite amount of water in the world system. That is, the world system from the day one of creation has had a certain amount of water and that can never be changed. We cannot put more water into the system. We cannot create water. We can create water, but it's from the water that's already in the atmosphere and stuff like this. So the world's water system is a closed system. Now that just blew my mind that from the beginning of time till today, there's always been the same amount of water. I'll leave that with you to, uh, to have a think about. The second thing, is, but it's finite. The water is finite. The second thing is the sun. Now, this is a great ball of gas that's slowly burning itself up and it will eventually run out of itself. And I mentioned this to someone and I said, do you know when the sun's going to finish? And they went, is it soon? And I said, no, you're right. You've got four and a half million years, billion million, no, billion, possibly five billion years. But the sun is giving of itself so much that eventually it will run out of itself. Well, here in verse six, John lets us in on this incredible truth. Grace 
is God's gift of his undeserved love. And John wants us to understand that that is an infinite source. It will not run out. It's inexhaustible. And that's because Jesus is bringing this grace, this infinite source of blessing and love from his own fullness. It's giving of himself. And we live off this generous bounty, gift after gift, day after day, grace upon grace, as Paul, uh, sorry, as John writes. And I was thinking about this. Here's a thought. Every day, every breath, Every cup of tea, every piece of bread is a gift. We're encouraged as Christians to give thanks for our food. And I would encourage my littlins to do this when they were little. And it was brilliant. They got the hang of it. And I was so chuffed with them until we went out for a meal. And we are in McDonald's. It's a Saturday morning in Essex. McDonald's is packed to the rafters. I've come up to the table. My little offspring are like those chicks you see in the nest going, feed me, feed me, feed me. And I bring the meal, the hunter-gatherer from McDonald's, and I bring the meal to the table. And then I said, there you go, kids. And they went, well, Dad, aren't you going to give thanks? And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. I'm standing in the middle of McDonald's and my kids want me to give thanks for their burgers. And I couldn't back down. Every day, every gift, every meal, every breath. If you think about it, you don't own your next heartbeat. We do not own our next heartbeat. Everything is a gift. And this is from the inexhaustible gift that is Jesus giving of himself. Giving of his love to his creation and his creatures. Here's another thing, if I haven't blown your mind enough already, Uh, or just confused you basically here's one for you you're going to have to take this one away and think about it it's a theory from a very very wise Christian so it's not come from me I heard it this week on the radio and he said this picture your hand so put your hand out picture your hand now in the middle of your hand is a pebble an everyday pebble God loves that pebble if God stopped loving that pebble it would disappear. Now, I actually agree with that. It's a theory, it's not in the Bible. But God is giving of himself and giving of himself in sustaining his creation and sustaining his creatures. And therefore we live by the very love and grace of God, minute by minute, hour by hour. And if God were to stop loving us, stop loving the world and stop loving you, I believe we would disappear just like that pebble and this is the depth of what John is saying here that God is giving to himself but relax because God is not going to run out of himself God is not going to deny himself because God is love and therefore God can only be love so don't worry about that pebble disappearing don't worry about you disappearing you're going to be around for a bit longer Everything is a gift. And that's the practical stuff. John is hinting here towards the even better stuff, which is the spiritual truth. I'll read this out to you, and I bet you'll know this by heart, and you'll start in your head repeating this line with me from Scripture. We have been saved by grace 
through faith. And this is not of ourselves, but the gift of God. Our salvation is a gift. And John wants to drive that truth home here. Everything is a gift, including and especially our salvation. And in doing that, he draws um, a contrast to the law. Eugene Peterson puts it thus. We got the basics from Moses and then this exuberant giving and receiving, the endless knowing and understanding, the truth, comes through Jesus. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me here. I don't, I'm not saying the law's a bad thing. I'm not saying it's wrong or it's irrelevant. Jesus himself, when he was talking to the people, said the law is not going to disappear. But the law had lots of roles. And forgive me here, when, when I say the law, there's the, the, ten, um, the 10 laws that God gave Moses uh, on the tablets. Someone, there was a really funny joke on that. There was a picture of Moses coming down with the two tablets with the 10 commandments on. And it said something about Moses was the first to download onto tablets from the cloud. <laughs> which I thought was just brilliant. So there's those 10 laws But then there are many, many laws in books of Deuteronomy and Leviticus. This is the law that Jesus is talking about. And he says, that's not going to go. It's not going to go, but it has a greater purpose. It's to prepare people to live in relationship with one another. That's why it says, if there's mildew on your tent, take your tent outside. And do not bring your tent back in until there's no mildew. See, there's really practical stuff. And when we go down about following the word of God, you've got to follow it word for word. How many have taken your mildew tent outside for 10 days and then brought your tent back in once you've had it checked by the priest that there is no longer any mildew upon your tent? Exactly. You see, there's, and, and Jesus knows that all these laws are getting too heavy. They're becoming cumbersome. And we'll come to that in a minute. But the purpose of the law was to make known our sin and our failings and the need for a saviour. That is the purpose of the law. It reflects God's holiness and it reflects to us our flawed nature. So the law has a catch. The law is not the gift that always kept on giving. The law was the gift that always kept on demanding. And that's the thing. So in all the writings of Paul, he goes on and on and, um, and talks about how the law itself is pointing to someone greater, to something greater than itself. So what you see here as well, what John is saying is, Jesus is greater than John the Baptist. Jesus is greater than Moses who brought the law. Jesus is even greater than the law himself. It's a very high Christology in John. Anyway, that's the what. I need to move on to the why. And I I mentioned it briefly. It's about barriers. Barriers are healthy things. Barriers are about what we hold to be important. But barriers can be unhealthy if they're in the wrong place or they become obstructions. And I think what John is saying here and what he's pointing out here is that Jesus is breaking down barriers. 
He's breaking down the barriers that have become obstructions, things like the law that have become too difficult. The pernickettiness, I'm so glad I said that. The, no, it's not, persnickettiness. Persnickettiness, pernickettiness. Do you know that word, is it persnickety or pernickety? No S. Spell check. Right, okay. The law has become so difficult and so pernickety that it's awful. The people, that's why Jesus says, are you weighed down by this? Is it too heavy? We sang there in one of the songs, is your sin and the weight on you too heavy? Jesus says, take it off. Follow me. Follow my teachings. My way is easier. And so the law points to something beyond him. And Jesus came to do this. And it is so simple. Jesus came to make God plain as day. The law was meant to show people God. The temple was meant to show the people God. The priests were meant to show the world God. But all this was getting skewed. And so God in himself, God in the person of Jesus, comes to us and fulfills all the law and all the prophecy, and we haven't got time to go through that this morning. But Jesus is the one who comes and makes it as plain as day. So we've had the who, we've had the what, we've had the why. As you can see, this morning's sermon is brought to you by the letter W and the number infinity. If you're too young, you won't get that. It used to be uh, on, uh, I've forgotten the name of it, it's gone now. Sesame Street, that's it. They would start Sesame Street with today's show is brought to you by this letter and this number. Well, this sermon is brought to you by the letter W and the number infinity. And now we're going to look at the so what. And it's this, an attitude of gratitude. Yes, it's cheesy, but I know tomorrow you will remember that. We are called as those who have received and been recipients of grace an attitude of gratitude. We're called to be happy people. Are we happy people? Yes, we are. We're known as happy clappy. We're not just happy. We're happy clappy here in that church. And I am so happy that we're clappy in this church. Years ago, I had to go preach in a church at Little Hampton. Is there anyone here from Little Hampton? Just check. Great. Right. So I had to go preach at this church in Little Hampton. I can't remember the name of it, but I was just told it was part of our training. You just had to turn up at these churches on a Sunday and take the service. Couldn't find the church. It was before Satnav. I saw this family in long black coats walking along with faces like thunder in a line. Dad, mum, kids, all of them head down, face like this. I noticed dad had a big black book under his arm. I thought, that's where we're going. Now, they didn't come across to me as happy, clappy kind of people. They were part of the church. It's a long story. I'll tell you about it later. Um, I got told I mentioned Jesus too much. This guy came up to me and he said, that was fantastic, pastor, but you mentioned Jesus too much. And then he gave me a packet of polos. That's strange. Church secretary comes up to me afterwards and he said, um, did so-and-so come and chat to you? And I said, oh yeah, he, he said, um, I mentioned Jesus too much. He went, did he give you a packet of polo mints? I said, yeah, he did. He went, oh, he likes you. <laughs> so it wasn't too bad talking about Jesus that much. 
But we're called to have an attitude of gratitude. Let me tell you, and I've checked, it's okay with Helen to share this story. The other morning, picture the scene in the Glover household. It's seven o'clock and the alarm has just gone off. My eyes are shut, but do you know when you know someone is there? I open my eyes and there is a smiley face there. This smiley face says to me, good morning, how are you this morning? To which I reply, I have no idea, I'm not awake. And I shut my eyes. I then hear this response, I'm fine, thank you. Oh, sorry, I forgot to ask. I shut my eyes again. I then open my eyes and look at Helen and say, how do you know you're fine? You're not even awake yet. She says, I choose to be fine. She chooses to have an attitude of gratitude. Now I gotta say, some of you are probably like me in the morning, you're grumpy. But after giving thanks for that first breath, that first ray of sunshine that comes in, that first cup of coffee, I should be moving towards an attitude of gratitude because attitude is more than just our head. Attitude is a, a, a direction that we're traveling in. So we've got to have an attitude of gratitude about what we do. We've got to have an attitude of grace. We have got to live. If we've been recipients of such incredible, unlimited, endless grace, we've got to be gracious people. We've got to love. We've got to be kind. We've got to be generous. We've got to be forgiving. We've got to be patient. And so much more. Because if we're called, like Sarah said the other week, to let our light shine, that means living graciously. Have you heard of paying the grace forward? Where um, you might be in your car and you're going through something like, I know we've got some people here from Bristol this morning. It's lovely to have you here. There's a bridge there. You know um, Brunel's fantastic bridge. And you go across and it's a pound, or as so I would call it, a quid. And so we paid the quid and we also paid a quid for the car behind because we were being gracious, loving Christians. And we were paying the grace forward. Well, a couple of months ago, we were here and we'd left here and we were joyous and we went to McDonald's and I'd heard about people who would pay for the car behind McDonald's. Makes it sound like I eat a lot of McDonald's. I don't. <laughs> Just suddenly thought of that. And um, so we thought, yeah, this is cool because I'd heard in America, someone would pay for the car behind McDonald's, the car behind would pay for their McDonald's and the car behind would say, oh, that's really kind, okay, I'll pay. And you get a wave of grace. Isn't that cool? So Helen and I are sitting at McDonald's in the drive-in, in the drive-through, and we come up to the little window and we say, oh, you know, and she says, oh, that's eight pounds something. See, it wasn't a big McDonald's. And so we paid that and then we said, how much is the car behind? And she went, it's 32 pounds. <laughs> And I thought, I'm not that gracious. <laughs> My grace has a limit. <laughs> God's grace doesn't have a limit. We're called to be gracious, loving, joyous, kind, forgiving people. And then our light is shining. So an attitude of gratitude, so corny, but it works. An attitude of grace and an attitude of present. I want to acknowledge that for some people here this morning, it's going to be hard to give thanks for every day as a gift. Your circumstances, the things that are going on in your life, 
are going to be making it really hard to see every single thing as a gift. But I want to say this. We've seen there that Jesus has broken down the barriers to come close to us, to reveal God to us, to just bless us with his grace. So I want to encourage you and I want to give you hope this morning. God is close. One of the things Jesus came to say is God is not out there. God is not up there. God is here. He is closer than you even know. He is as close as your next breath. And part of the grace of Jesus is he comes to us and he gives himself to us and he desires that we desire to follow him because then he can give even more of himself to us through his Holy Spirit. We then become vessels of his spirit. We then have God living in us, helping us to have an attitude of gratitude, helping us to be gracious. But it's this, if you are really struggling at the moment, I want you to know God is so close. God is so close to you. He is closer than you know. I want you to know this as well. God cares more than you know. And I want you to know this. God is interested. God is involved more than you know. And I know at times that's hard to feel that. But this is where faith hangs on by its fingertips. And I want you to know this. The way things were, the way things are, do not determine how things have to be. When Jesus calls us to follow him, he says, you follow me and I will walk through whatever you're going to walk through next to you. Sadly, but honestly, he doesn't say, life's going to be just rosy for you now. There is fantastic stuff there, but it's real life, real faith, and bad stuff happens. But God says, I am there right next to you. I am closer than you know, I care more than you know, and I'm involved more than you know. So I would encourage you, if you're struggling at the moment to have an attitude of gratitude, then practice the presence. Practice the presence of God with you and God in you. Imagine when you're going through those difficult times, Jesus is there, standing right next to you. Jesus is there right inside you practice the presence and it will help you in those difficult things there'll be an opportunity if you do want to pray about those difficult things that you may find yourself in at the back do please go and pray pray them through bring God into the middle of it but for the rest of you I want to encourage you this week attitude of gratitude attitude of grace and practice the presence until we get back here next week and we do this all again how cool is that so um, I've noticed on my notes a page ago I should have asked the musicians to come back so if I can ask the musicians to come back if I can apologise to whoever's pen that was that I kicked off the stage um, but we're going to continue worshipping we've got an opportunity now to show something of that gratitude our gratitude is our worship, our gratitude is our life, our gratitude is our living. If everything is a gift, then everything should be an act of gratitude. Back to the one who has given of himself. 
then we give of ourselves to Him. So there's an opportunity now to worship. Be happy. Be clappy. As the song goes, wave your hands in the air like you just don't care. That's what we can do. But if you do need to pray and if you do need someone to just pray through those difficult things, please go to the back. There'll be people that would love to pray with you. But let's continue our worship this morning as we give thanks to God for all that he has done.